This is Agents Influence Podcast. The core values is really what drives companies' success. Because when people on the inside act like they should on the outside, there's no disconnect between the people who make the bread and the people who eat the bread or buy the bread. And it's all the same. That's why our favorite brands are like people. And they're like trusted friends because we're sharing the same core values. That's why it's so critical for agency owners to build core values and come up with the ones that work for you. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently. Change your agency. Change your finances. Change your family. And in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to another episode of Agents Influence Podcast Conversations with who? Me, Jason Cass. And today I have a doozy, someone that you guys don't know, never been on the podcast before. A lot of you probably know him. I'm not saying you don't know him. I just think that sometimes um, excellence is hard to find in the world. And so that's one of the gifts and one of the goals, I should say, of agents influence is where we try to find people that are outside the agency who will give you a different perspective of what's inside the agency. I asked Peter to tell me his thoughts, tell me his ideas, and we are going to tell the world what he has to say. So once again, welcome to the show, Peter Van Artrike, also known as PVA. What's up, bro? Hey, I may not always be excellent, but I'm always confident. <laughs> you can get a lot of a lot of places. Seriously, I was listening right. to Jennifer Hassan, her uh, podcast I did, and she said that that's the one difference between cold callers who are successful and not. It doesn't have to do with the product and stuff, which helps. But are you confident that what you're selling and what you're doing is actually helping somebody? That That's like the major driving factor. She says, right. I can take anybody that has confidence. I don't care if they have a stuttering problem. Seriously, she says, if they have confidence, I can, I can make them a cold caller. So check yeah. out that podcast if you guys can. Peter, yeah. right before I get on, I really want to remind people about we got your podcast.com. That's a pod, that's a service where we got it. Go to we got your podcast.com. If you're listening out there, um, you can check it out that we do podcasts. We do 11 shows now. So we host those mm. shows. Um, we put those shows out and produce them. All those people have to do is just build authority in their niche by recording. We come in and take everything else from them. Also, AI Mastermind is something you're looking for right now. A lot of those conferences and conventions are not going on. I'm going to tell you right now, those free uh, Facebook and LinkedIn groups are not doing it because if everybody in there is sharing information, you're just like everybody. So you don't want to be like anybody. And that means that you may have to draw, uh, join Mike Stromso's group, right? It's a paid group. You may have to draw, uh, join David Carruthers' group. It's a paid group. You may have to join AI Mastermind. It's a paid group. These things are not expensive and they shouldn't be, but we all know that we value things that we have to pay for. It's mm-hmm. the great paradox of life because the things that are true truly um, important to us are actually free, like love, uh, education. That doesn't necessarily have to be free, but it can be kindness, love. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that are free. But today we put emphasis on things that we pay. 
So that's how you should in your education to learn from the greatest and the best. Go to insuranceagencyintelligence.com, click on Mastermind. You'll literally see a picture of everybody that's in there so you can relate and say, hey, I saw that guy at a conference or hey, that person used to be in those free groups and they're not anymore. That's because they're hanging out with champions. AI Mastermind. I hope that you're there. Peter, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, man. Thanks, Jason, for having me on the show. (laughs) So Peter, um, one of the things that um, I've been on Peter, Peter has a podcast. What is it? On Point? Yeah, On Point, uh, insurancejournal.tv. That's right. One of the few that I know that's older than Agents Influence. Uh, when did you start that? I think it was like 2009 or something, 2008. That, yeah. Well, listeners, you see how hip PBA is? This dude is <laughs> awesome. Okay. No, and, and you and you started that. Didn't you start that with somebody else or did you yeah. start that? On Rick your- Morgan and I, Rick, uh, Rick, Rick's a good friend. He, um, he's still in the industry working at work at home, vintage experts, wave.com. And, um, he, uh, he wanted to focus more on, on marketing for wave. Um, so I'm, di- I'm digging it every other week. It's not very often, but it's, it's consistently every other week. And I just talk to whoever I want. In fact, I got to have you on the show sometimes. You, you should. And you know what, what's amazing. I got to have Rick on what, people, what a jewel to the insurance industry. Mm-hmm. People have no idea the, the the a lot of the roads that we walk on were paved by him and other people in the industry at the time. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I was always attracted to those people: the Rick Morgans, the Steve Andersons, the Peter Van Artrikes, the Chris Amrines. Thank you. Um, yeah, these these people, um, you, you don't realize how cool they are until you get there. So one of the places that uh, I got to meet Pat at Peter Amrine, or Peter Amrine, Chris Amrine is uh, um, at a convention in Illinois. And a lot of loyal listeners know it was a really big moment in my time because I realized when he realized when he said that insurance is fun, I realized yeah. like, wow, that, that means a different perspective. But where Chris and I really got to know each other was in um, at uh, Brand Camp. Mm-hmm. Which, for all you guys don't know, Brain Camp is ran by Peter and his team at Artrike. Is it Artrike and Associates? Artrike.com. Artrike.com. Okay. Right. And, and so, where did this idea of Brain Camp come out? And, Peter, do you still do these? Uh, we do them. Um, we're, well, we're going to do a virtual one, we hope, in um, th- this, this winter or maybe uh, spring of 21. We started the, uh, the first one was 2009, and Rick Morgan it was Rick Morgan's idea, actually. Um, because he used to do the high tech se- se- sessions back in the 80s and 90s out in Vail, Colorado, and other cool places, where he'd gather independent agents and carriers and vendors and stuff, and then go sit in a resort hotel and just talk about we we've, we've got all this technology. How can we make it better? How can we improve it? Um, are we doing the right thing? So they came up with things like transactional filing, which doesn't sound very sexy, but it was a game changer. Um, and and Rick was not afraid, uh, is not afraid to take on the um, traditionalists in the industry didn't want to have a lot of change and were protecting their uh their golden goose and um and and challenge the industry and he's always done that and i admire rick for that so brand camp was an idea that led to other other good ideas around the industry but a chance to it was like the anti-conference how can we get maybe 100 people together to talk about great ideas all connected with insurance and brand peter loyal listeners if you just didn't hear where brain share came from you just heard it. So when I went to Boulder, Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. Um, that was, and I think, God, I got the tickets up on the wall here. We, we was it Boulder? Yeah, it was Boulder. Okay. We were at the Boulderado Hotel. Cool. Place. Okay. Okay. 
And I believe I was there with Marty. Yeah, I've only been to Boulder, Colorado one time. Marty was there. Let me tell you a true story. This is really, really cool. Marty and I are sitting inside of a restaurant up the road. Okay. True story. One of the coolest stories that that Cass has in his arsenal. We're sitting in there. We're eating. I can't remember who else we're with. We're with somebody else. And these guys in these black suits walk in the door. And they go talk to the manager or whatever, and you hear the manager say, um, "Hey, I wanna, I wanna let you know that these gentlemen here are Secret Service um, for the President of the United States. As you guys know, uh, Barack Obama is in town giving a um, a speech, and uh, want to let you know he wants to walk in and say hi." True story. <laughs> they come in and they start taking all the silverware, the waiters and everybody, taking oh, yeah. all the silverware off all the tables and stuff. The owner told us that they were going to give us free um, dinners. He came in, shook people's hands. He didn't shake my hand. I know Barack. I really, truly do. I've played cards with him and stuff like that. But in this situation, he didn't shake my hand. Um, and he went around. He was in there for probably three to five minutes and then literally just waved and walked back out. And they brought out all the silverware and everybody was just like <laughs> sitting there for like 10 minutes. Like, did that just really freaking happen? True story happened when I was in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and that That's was, cool. uh, yeah, that was really cool. That was really, really cool. And what was cool is, is they had a, a um, one of those cutout cardboards of, of Barack Obama at the door. So it was kind of cool. So I guess they may have known that something like that was going to happen. I guess this was a place that he has some history to that he was there and said, Hey, I want to walk in there and see if that's like it was whenever he was there before. So it was a really, really, really cool thing. Yeah. There's something I want to talk about. So that's where Brainshare started. When I was sitting in that room, I thought to myself, I've never been in a room where there's just a bunch of us at round tables and we're just talking about insurance. I know that the number one thing that people say they like going to conferences and conventions for is because they like the networking. And if you really think about it, Peter, with the way conferences and conventions are set up today, there's very little networking. Yeah. It's usually after five or six. Usually there's dinner in there. If you really don't drink wine or alcohol, you really don't feel comfortable in it. And then you really don't want to stay up till 10 or 11 or 12 or one or two or three like Jason does. So you so you 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 really don't have a lot of that um, time that you want. And that's what we wanted to do with Brainshare. And I copied it from you guys to say, let's put these people in a room. When we have breaks, let's have longer ones so they actually get the chat and actually yeah. get the, to communicate. And, and it has been very, very successful. So yeah, yeah. Kudos and, and to you. Thanks, man. Well, it was three things. We wanted to pick cool hotels. Yeah. Uh, Boulderado was certainly one like that. Uh, <sighs> cool. cool hotel. Uh, cool cities, cool hotels. We wanted to pick cool people. So you're cool. You were invited, Jason. We yep. was not supposed to be a take all con. Is not supposed to be take all comers. But mm-hmm. the most important thing we you just alluded to is that we didn't have this this uh, death by PowerPoint speaker after speaker after speaker where people are sitting there listening. We turned it around where the audience was uh, the show. So the, what was going on, the discussion in the audience was actually the show. So we didn't have a stage, didn't have a podium, didn't have a dais. We just had a living room. And people mm-hmm. would come up and rant on stuff, and then we would discuss it. And it was really, really interesting, the dynamics. You're right. It is all about networking, isn't it? This is, mm-hmm. this is the human experience. That's why during COVID, we're all suffering because mm-hmm. who thought we'd miss business travel? Who thought we'd miss mm-hmm. going to insurance conferences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, just talk about how the great, the one and only Rick Morgan is also, you alluded to T, uh, transaction filing. 
Let's yeah. be honest. There's a lot of people who have no idea what you're talking about right now, Peter. It's I'm just being serious about that. But you know what's amazing? We still use it to this day. Mm-hmm. Because me, I don't know about you, but I think our staff, I'm talking to you, the loyal listeners out there, whenever we file something to our management system, drag and drop, whenever we go to look it back up, the first thing you do is, is you see all these documents. So you sort it by month because mm-hmm. you know that the renewal for the workers comp was in August. So, you know, it's probably around August last year because maybe some of us may not be so sufficient with the way that we type our descriptions into our tasks or our files. Right. right, right. So one of the things we started doing was actually so that we knew it, rather than the date that it was added, we actually wrote the date of when the uh, business was put in. So, you know, back in the day, they used to stamp it. There's, yeah, probably sure. some, there's probably some agencies going, oh, we still stamp it. I'm just going to tell you, I've owned my agency for 10 years. I've never stamped a piece of mail in my life. But anyways, I mean, we, we the way we stamp it is we put it in the receipt in there. And if this thing was sent on 9-1, today's 9-15, we're going to put 0-9-0-1-2020. And then we're going to put the description. And in a way, we're still transaction filing in a way to this day, right? Yeah, it's just inside right. our AMS. Yeah. Yeah. At that time, back in the, it was actually in the 80s when this came out of one of those, they called, they were called high tech those camps um that really started cool. yeah and it was a tech t-e-c-c was an acronym for something um but they th- at that time the management systems were pretty you know pretty new um and uh there was a lot of paper jason a lot of paper accord was just getting started ivan's was getting started and they both evolved now as we know mm-hmm. but and the management systems have evolved um to where the systems are a little more uh, dynamic and sophisticated but transaction filing, uh, transactional filing was a game changer for a lot of agents to go away from this alphabetical nonsense to something that was more functional for them. So it was, it was, it just came out of that discussion. That's what you got to do. You can't go to a meeting and just sit there and listen. Uh, I don't like those kinds of meetings. I mean, they're, they're right. good for for an hour or two, but not an entire conference built around people speaking at you. I like, I like it when there's more dynamics and discussion among the group because then then you get some organic thought coming out of it. And some of the best ideas come from those conversations. Loyal listeners, we learn learn from history, so that's why this is important to know. Before there, when we actually had filing cabinets in our office, I mean, I don't have any. A lot of loyal listeners, I imagine you don't. A lot of you do. Um, but for those that you don't, when you had this yellow folder, if you had any kind of paper or anything, and you didn't have a digital system, which a lot of us didn't, even back in 04, 05, 06, when I was working in my prior agency, um, you would put that in your little envelope or inside your little Manila folder, and maybe it was labeled at the top, and then you would put it on top of the the, uh, the filing cabinet, someone would come along and file all those things. And so next time, if they called in and they had an issue, you would go look for Susan Smith and you would try to find that piece of paper. Where Ma- Rick Morgan changed the game, which was very simple, he just said, wait a minute, rather than filing this every time that Susan Smith calls and we're getting it out and we're looking, let's just create a folder for September. Mm-hmm. And any kind of filing or anything we need to do, we're not going to put it so much to the client. We're just going to put it inside a folder for September. So as we go through, we can remember and say, oh, yeah, that file was we got that in September. You would just go back to the month of September and pull that file out. Yeah. That's what transaction filing was for all you newbies out there. Right, um, right. That, yeah. that's, what, that's what it was. They don't know that, you know, so that's yeah. history. So you can kind of see in your agency today, you probably still do the same thing just in a digital manner and you don't know about. It. Yeah. And so that came out of actually, I don't know how long TED Talks have been around, but I think Rick and Steve, you mentioned Steve Anderson, they gave a, mm-hmm. a, a, that, a 1980s version of a TED Talk. I love TED Talks. And this is, I do too. this is how 
this is how Brandcamp was too, is that is that no long speeches. If you are passionate about something, I know you are, Jason. I know your listeners are passionate about certain things. You can talk for 10 or 20 minutes about that thing in such a way that you say, here's my idea. Now let's talk about it, right? So my, if I were to give a TED Talk in the insurance industry, it would be on extreme agency makeover, which is just um, absolutely going in and, and blowing up most independent agencies like Ty. You could give a TED Talk on that? I could. I could. I mean, there's no way TED would accept me. <laughs> but I could, but I could A, insurance, B, insurance agent, you know, B, it's Peter, C, it's Peter. But I would love, to, I mean, I, I, I tell you, I would love to go into an agency with a bulldozer, you know, and just, just, just blow the whole place up. And, and my, my feeling is workspaces are important. You know, I, I feel, I feel like uh, people are going to work at home. Okay, great. But they also still like going to the office. What do they see mm-hmm. when they get there? If somebody, if you're interviewing, you're an agency owner, you're interviewing somebody to work at your agency, half the interview is you convincing them that what it's like to work there and why they should work there. The other half is the employee, prospective employee, saying why I, I should join your agency. But half of it has to be how cool this place is, what our core values are about, and look around. Isn't this an yes. exciting place to be? Because yes. people do like workplaces. Yes. And so, you know, window treatments, um, flooring, lighting, getting rid of the file cabinets, um, you know, the, the, the smells, all the senses, flowers, coffee makers, like make it so that the furniture, make it so that people go in there and it's like, this is like a friggin' cool coffee shop. Why not? Mm-hmm. I can see your office, Jason, looks really cool. Open. Don't, don't underestimate the value of those open spaces in there. People like that. So where people work is important. Why they work is even more important. Why they want to work with your agency. And all those other issues of, of when and how they dress and all that, that's fine. But I think the, the important thing is, what is the environment in which you're asking people to come to? So if I were to give a TED Talk, like a transactional filing TED Talk, it would be on extreme agency makeover. I like that. I like that. And I remember um, in Brand Camp 09, you talked about um, building a brand of an agency and you used it in regards to your body. Yeah. You remember you wore like a doctor outfit, you yeah. know, like a coat and stuff right. like that. That was yeah. really cool. Yeah, See, the, as a young producer at that time, oh nine, that's eleven years ago. I'm forty-two now. So you're talking thirty, yeah. thirty-one. Um, it, that was that was an interesting time. And you know what's important for loyal listeners to know is that I invested my time in that. To know truthfully for brand camp, I actually won an award and a scholarship to go, but I still had to convince my wife to let me go and get away from my son and stuff like that. Like that. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, Peter, people ask me where I learned this stuff and where I know. And it's knowing the Rick Morgans, knowing you, knowing the Steve Andersons, knowing being big with my association. Even though I beat up them on them a lot, I always come back to true that I owe them a lot. They taught mm-hmm. me a lot. A lot of people did. Um, and right. so I think that that's big. What does Artrek.com do? We're, um, we're 100% insurance industry uh, marketing. We do brand strategy, content development, and uh, media relations all inside the industry. It's a huge ecosystem, Jason, of, you, you know, just reinsurance c- carriers, brokers, agents, trade associations, uh, tech firms, working with insurtechs. So we develop brands and, and logos and all those sorts of things, but also the messaging, but then how you carry them out to the marketplace. I mean, I love insurance, man. I mm-hmm. You mentioned Chris Amrine. Insurance is fun. He and I created mm-hmm. that company together. Uh, we have a lot yeah. of fun with that. Um, uh, Chris is like the George Carlin of the insurance industry. He's so, he's so damn funny. I can't even tell you. <laughs> good, um, good comparison. But we have, there's 22 of us. We're a small company, but we just love insurance. I mean, it, it's, it's, 
a great industry. And, and you know what? This time, what's going on with COVID, um, and we saw it before with the dot-com bust. We saw it with the recession. We even saw it in the Great Depression. I wasn't around then, but, um, you know, the Great Depression. <laughs> this industry did okay. I mean, it, it's uh, call, it, call it what you want, but it's stable. It's satisfying. Mm-hmm. It's always people always say it's more fun than they thought it was going to be, and it's about people. And but I always I always say though, you know, while it is about people, and, and agents often say, well, this is a relationship business. It's really about selling, not marketing. Well, to the point, you, you got to do marketing to get to the point where you have a relationship, to where you can play golf and do those sorts of things. Marketing is what gets you there. So don't um, I think in, marketing is undervalued, underappreciated in the insurance industry. I think also relationship has changed form. I think that relationship of knowing somebody, golfing with them, shaking their hand, knowing that they they know that you support the community, all that kind of stuff is important. But I'm also writing three and four hundred thousand dollar accounts off agent of record. There you go. And when the agent when the agents get mad at me, they say you don't know how to sell on relationship. No, actually, I think you misunderstood what the relationship was to the client because all I did is I didn't come in with any smooth sales talk. I just came in, presented my issues based on the research that I had found out about their company and that they needed me. And I was positioning myself as I was there on purpose to be talking to them. They've had an issue with their insurance for the last five or 10 years. I have proof of it that obvious agents you have is not able to fix it. Now, he may be the greatest person in the world. And I was always taught that, man, if they're if they're golfing with them or they play weekly golf with them, you got to leave because that agent. Well, that's true at a very small, um, a smaller companies when you are competing on price. But when those services matter, when helping them do things in insurance, but outside insurance, I'm telling you what, these companies today are doing what you just said. They're looking for ways to build company culture. Yeah. They're realizing that in order to measure safety, they're going to have to build a culture that includes everybody in the age and the business so that they all understand that safety is, is an important thing. I heard a guy say, and I can't, I'm going to butcher it. Yeah, I'm not going to even say it because he he talked about di- um, the different types. There's two different types of culture, and I can't really think about that right now. But but what well, curated but what, and uncurated? That's what's the, the difference? Well, curated is like fresh Greek yogurt when you open the container and it's nice and clean, and someone took care of it. Uncurated culture is where you leave a piece of bread out in the counter and it gets all moldy. They're both cultures; they both grow. One you tend to, the other one you just you just leave alone and leave to your own devices. And so many agencies have uncurated culture which is why CSRs will or do some rogue stuff and producers will run around and try to build their own brand to the detriment of the, of the mothership. And it, it, every organization has a culture. It's either curated or uncurated. And I tell you, you're, I, I could do another TED Talk about this. Really, really <laughs> passionate about the value of culture. And you know what? I, you're, that's, I'm guessing you're a millennial or maybe a younger... I'm an exennial. I'm and, in between and, millennial and, and okay. Z. Okay, um, I'm a boomer. I'm a solid boomer. But in our time, we just put our head down and did our work, didn't complain. We didn't even know what the job was. We just did it, right? Mm-hmm. And good on the younger generations like yours to, to raise these questions, say, hey, you know, I don't know if I want to work at this place anymore. This isn't fun for me. Um, and, and so um, I think it's, it's really not something an agency owner or any business owner wants to leave the chance, Jason. You've got to work on the culture. Absolutely, you do. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merge? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? 
you realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have. In 30 days, that's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him. I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed. Let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia. We saw his operation and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at virtual Intel. That's with two L's. That's virtual I N T E L L dot com. Go check us out. See what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology delivered right into your agency. And you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, requiring, recreating, trying to find processes. Just there's so much stuff. I can't even say it right. That's right. Virtual Intel cast certified. So when I was going back to safety culture, I actually happened to have this book right here that I was reading about this guy, um, and he was teaching about the portent of culture and how it relates to safety. I thought this was really interesting. He broke this down. The main differences between safety conscious and a safety culture is that safety conscious is everyone in the company knowing that safety is a priority, and safety culture is the combined effort by management and staff to achieve and maintain the safety. There you go. So, so, so I really, really like that. We're really big on the fact that people measure production, people measure quality, but most clients don't measure safety. Mm-hmm. And so we go in there helping them understand how to measure safety. And once again, where does that relationship go? That other agent who's been there for 15 years and yep. they're co- they've coached their kids – they're there that agent forgets they're there not to bring them cookies. They're actually there to help them and provide solutions to their problems as they encounter them. That's right. So if I can walk in and I can provide that solution that the other agent can't, that relationship changes as to what the value of that relationship is in the mind of the consumer to the current agent they have. Yeah. It's not that they dislike that agent. It's not that they think that right. agent's bad. I right. don't even, I know most of my competition. They beat me up all the time and they're awesome. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that's, 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 Jason, that's marketing. You're, you're hitting on exactly, you're positioning yourself with those prospects in, mm-hmm. a, in a different way. That's classic marketing. That's what's missing in our industry. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. But 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 those who do do it get accused of being the ones who are mm-hmm. you know are it's not doing the relationship. Right. And I I think a lot of agents uh, and not just agents, businesses. Period. Think that customer loyalty. Um, think think about like a bank. Do you love your bank? I mean, I, I I who loves their bank? There's some that are online only. That's so interesting, isn't it? You don't even know who the teller is over there. Uh, but it, I think Ally Bank was, was is good. I think that's all online. ING Bank was great until Capital One bought them and screwed them up. But people people don't move their money or move their banking relationships not because because they're loyal. They, it's too painful to leave. So Jason comes along with a new idea of talking about safety and lowering your comp expense or whatever you guys do. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, people are like, wait a minute, now I, maybe I should leave. Maybe it's painful to stay. Right. Boom, dude, I never thought of it that way. Mm. Sometimes it's too painful to leave. Sometimes it's too painful to stay. Yeah. Woo. God damn.
I'm gonna, I'm gonna you write, write that, that one down. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Hey, listen, even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while, Jason. You know, I, I come up with stuff. I just make stuff up, and people think it's cool. In fact, I even wrote a book called The Powers. It's on Amazon. Ten factors for building an exponentially more powerful brand. Right. Dude, and when did you write I, that? Um, I, last year. It came out at uh, oh. 20, can I say that? Yeah, 2019, late 2019 into early 2020. So um, it's a quick read. It's basically how to build a brand, a brand strategy that includes culture, cultures on the inside, brands on the outside, um, and marry them together like an infinity symbol where one side is brand, one side is culture, the middle is core values, which we've been talking about, the safety culture. Um, the, the, the core values is really what drives companies' success because when people on the inside act like the, uh, they should on the outside, there's no disconnect between the people who make the bread and the people who eat the bread or buy the bread. And it's all the same. That's why we, our favorite brands are like people and they're like trusted friends because it, the, the, we're sharing the same core values. That's mm. why it's so critical for agency owners to build core values and come up with the ones that work for you. Um, I was talking to the CEO of Thimble. Thimble.com is a insure tech that writes uh, insurance uh, for an hour, for a day, for a week, for a month, for a year, like most contracts are. Um, you know, it may or may not make it. Who knows? But Thimble is kind of a cool idea. On their website, Thimble.com is are their core values. And it's so funny because they're based in New York. And it's all about, you know, show up on time. Don't waste people's time. It's all like New York minute kind of stuff. Boom, 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 boom. Because people in Manhattan, that's what they're used to. Those core values work for them. It might not work in Illinois, your firm, you know. Let's just everybody slow down. Be, be chill. Like it's all about saving time. But it works for Thimble. You have to come up with your own core values that work for your people so they can live them. And it's not stupid stuff like the customer is always right. That's not a core value, A. And B, it's not even true. The customer isn't always right. The customer did not know they needed an iPhone until iPhone was out there. They're like, oh, I like this. They wouldn't have thought of that. So things like challenge the status quo, you know, be mm -hmm. respectful, whatever works for your people to use as their guiding principle, because you don't need an HR manual if you have five or six really solid core values. No, and I agree with that. And also, as you were talking about before, half the conversation of hiring somebody is about why they should come work there. The other half is that. And with the core values, that's where that meet, middle meet, right. meets, right? You're trying to get both of that, that, that situation. Now, what I love about what you were saying is, is I heard somebody say this, which is very similar, is that if I don't have um, – a lot of times we will hire people. And then we put them in a position and then we're wondering ourselves, we're like, well, wait a minute, like you're not really doing the job or jiving or man, this person is not getting along with our staff. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't believe I missed that. Well, that's kind of one of those problems is, is kind of missing and, and be that disconnect of not explaining to them upfront as to who they are. Okay. Mm -hmm. But here's, I want to, I want to get your, I want to get your thought on something else. Kind of like the other side though, it actually can help you get rid of staff that may no longer be with the same vision or in line with who the business is. If we can say this is who we are and two years later, this person is not conforming and you've tried many things, you're probably not going to have to fire the person. Mm -hmm. That person may just leave because they just don't feel like they're a fit anymore. I'm not, right. I'm not advocating firing people, but I know that in the insurance industry, it is very hard for us to get rid of some people who don't want to change. And I think this could be a way to help make that happen. Yeah. Um, Jason, you're, you hit the nail on the head. It's not so much um, there's a lot of risk in hiring new people, but I think most of the problems that firms have is they don't prune the rose bush. 
or they don't create an environment in which people want to leave. Like just exactly like you said, it should be plain as day. It, it, and you could have a single sheet of paper with your core values on them. And, and when you're interviewing somebody, you slide it across the table and say, does this look like a place you want to work? And then every time you have an issue in the office, you talk about your core values. Like this is, this is not, this fighting is not part of our core values. Right. You know, I, I've been in the same meeting a thousand times and I always want to say the same thing. It's amazing how often the problem is you. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, you're talking about everybody else, but meanwhile, everybody's doing the job except for you. You're talking about everybody else. So it's good. Point. I, I, you gotta, you gotta prune the rosebush. It's so hard, especially in the average agency being 10 or 12 employees. I get it. But you can't let these surly CSRs and these prima donna producers run around and screw your firm up. You got to manage that culture, and it's hard. I know it's hard. But if you do that, if you manage your employees, they'll manage the brand for you. They'll they'll make it so that people want to work for your agency and want to buy insurance from you. Mm-hmm. But you got to treat your employees. If your employees aren't happy, and then Simon Sinek talks about this, the author of Start with Why and, and TED Talks. Mm-hmm. He says, if you don't, if your employees aren't happy, no one's going to be happy. Focus on your employees first. Then the other stuff can happen. Doesn't that sound like our personal life? Being funny, but being serious, right? Oh, bingo. When, when, when mama's happy, when the kids are happy, when the mm-hmm. dog's happy, usually pretty happy for Jason. You right. know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. yeah that's exactly. Hard. No, it, it's, it's, it's hard. I'm not saying it's easy, but you can't go around yelling at people. You have to, no. you got to keep it positive. And um, you got to create an environment that it's, it, you said it, Jason, people just, well, you know, I got to, I got to leave. This ain't working for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, and then also those who leave, I, um, I was reading in the insurance nerds. Um, what was that book? That one book that, that, uh, that Tony and I'm sorry, I don't know their names, but they, they wrote this book. Um, gosh, dang it. And it's about millennials. Okay. And one of the things that they said, one of the things that they said in there really rocked my mind. Um, they said that uh, you will have a millennial who will work at, um, okay, you will have somebody, a baby boomer, right. um, that will work at, an, at a, a corporation for 30 years. They retire, they get the gold watch, and they feel good because they were loyal to that job, right? And that mm-hmm. job was loyal to them, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. But you'll have somebody who's a millennial who will work at and establish it for 11 months. And when they leave, they say, I was loyal while I was there. Mm -hmm. So the difference is is the loyal and a commitment to the company and to themselves over longevity. But the longevity is not a factor to millennials. It's while I'm doing what I'm doing, I was very loyal to you. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that loyalty stretches over many years if I'm not happy in what I'm doing. Exactly. And I really, right. really, and that's a, that's a different thing, man, yeah. when you're trying to hire millennials and get inside of their head. Yeah. Because as you said, having fun is more important. I was talking with, uh, I don't want to say her name, but she left a position and she joined another position and okay. she took half the cost. Okay. Um, and she's a marketing person. And I don't know if it's half, but she took a severe a decrease. And I said to her, she says, Jason, the cause that I believe in is way bigger than any paycheck. And she was making good money. Mm-hmm. It's way bigger than any paycheck that mm-hmm. I can get. And it's the fact that what's amazing is, is within two to three years, she'll be making more. Yeah. But she believed in this cause, got behind it said, this is fun. I believe in this. I'm willing to take less money. Yeah. And I really, really am. I, that gives us an insight to the way that these 20 and 30 year olds think. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's total game changer. And that's why when somebody works at LinkedIn and they leave LinkedIn, the CEO sent, invites them to the, the LinkedIn alumni club. 
so they can stay connected with uh, other fellow LinkedIn alumni. It's it's a way to say thanks for your service. Because a lot of these people come back again around again. They're, they it's might true. they might go out and get learn some skills, come back to the company. You know, it's, true. Not, it's not it's changed. But again, when I was uh, uh, early in my career, it was if it, somebody called me a job hopper because I had two jobs in ten years. A, a, a guy I was interviewing with wow. Trans America Insurance, which no longer exists out in California in L.A. He said he looked across the table. Are you a job hopper? It's like okay, I've had two jobs. I'm in my 20s. In, in 10 years' time, I'm a job hopper. Nowadays, <laughs> <laughs> you have two jobs in one year's time, not 10. Yeah, it, that's right. It's, uh, yeah, right. I think what she, with that, your your colleague there, you talk, you were talking about is she's chasing like a significant life, not necessarily all about money and success. It's more about significance, mm-hmm. and that's what Daniel Burris, the futurist, talks about. We got to chase significant things. We got to be significant to our families, to our employees, to our customers and prospects before we worry about success and money, because that'll come later in a bigger way if you focus on significance. Daniel Burrish is the man, bro. Yeah. That dude's the man. Um, his, his talks. Um, yeah, I've had him on here twice on yeah. to the, uh, and dude, dude is, dude is incredible. Whenever he talks, one of the things that he said, which I said, you know, with all this technology and everything going on out there, I said, Daniel, what is the future? What is the future? You know, five, 10, 15, 20 yeah. years from now. And you know what he said to me? He said, the future is relationships, Jason. And go. I was like, whoa. And he says, if the future is AI, the future is about enhancing relationships. Okay. And when he said that, every agent should feel good in knowing what he said. But once again, as we talked about before, that idea of what the relationship is, make sure it's what the relationship is of what the client is assuming. Yeah. And I, I think that, that that is one of the big things, enhancing relationships. I love Daniel Burst. Yeah, I'm serious. Awesome. Dude. Dude, he's he is awesome, dude. he is awesome. He is an awesome dude. Um, he's actually working on a couple projects uh, behind the scenes. He doesn't want me to know or want people to know inside the insurance industry right now. And I think uh, with his brains and his expertise behind it, people don't know. He told me he is the he is the um. I do that all the time. Yeah. He is the uh, <laughs> special advisor to the Joint Chiefs of Staff to the United States military. I mean, so the four dudes who like are in charge of everything, yeah. you know, he is a special advisor to them. Yeah. And it's not because he knows about war, right? But the military wants to know about AI and technology. And right. so right, right. a lot. Yeah, he, a lot. he's a legit futurist. Like he's he's legit. Yeah, he believes in soft trends and hard trends. I won't go on about it, but go read his books from the 80s and 90s and then think about and then read what he says where we would be in 2015 and 2020. Right. And you'll go, wow. Now let's yeah. close up with that. Let's close up with this weird thing called COVID because one of the things I really want to drive home with this and not talk about all the other things that are going on in the world and you can get lied to on Fox or CNN, but actually the real things that are going on with COVID and the fact that, you know, a lot of times people like me, people like Hanley, we like to say, you know, it's going to be this way. And if you don't change in five to 10 years, you're going to be out of business. You know, I used to say like the ROI of your agency is the fact <laughs> that you'll be around in five to 10 years, right? Yeah, um, right. Here we are five to 10 years. And I, and I do believe the chip. But when you think about the number one thing is, is we have time because it takes the consumer a while to adapt to these services. Wow. What has COVID done? We now have a situation where over the last two months, Peter, I have been sending go-to-meeting links to my clients, and they're telling me they love it. Mm -hmm. 
This is a guy who to write whales, I have to drive an hour or two hours. You're talking two hours there, an hour and a half meeting with them and two hours back. That's five to six hours out of my day just to go see one client. Now yeah. the revenue is pretty good so we can do it. Right. But yeah. how about having the revenue that good and I can have two or three or four meetings and it's oh, very, yeah. very productive because not only that, you don't really get interrupted. It's actually a straight meeting. You usually have all the staff on because it's real easy for everybody to click a link and, and go on. And, and, and I think... I don't want to go with scare tactic here, but if our concern is the fact that technology is not going to put us out of business tomorrow and the next year because the consumer is slow to adapt and we still have a solid another year, a solid another year before it's an acceptable thing to go back out. According to Facebook and according to um, Apple, they're not allowing anybody to fly until August of 2021. There's no ifs, ands, buts about it. So there's no, those guys know something. How is that transforming? Should agents be a little bit more scared in the fact that that's something they thought was five to 10 years off could now be three to five years off as far as them adapting? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, uh, there's, there's so much to say there, but let me just say this. I, I don't think we should be wallowing as business owners right now in, in this mess that we're in. I think it's time to put the foot in the gas. I would call. Come on call every single customer. I would do, uh, like you said, Zoom calls or WebEx, go to meetings with every single customer that, that can do it. I think people are, like you said, are willing to do it or happy to do it because they're working at home and they're worried as well. Why not have these conversations? Why rely on email and texting and, and, and notices about COVID on your website? You got you to gotta take advantage of this. And I think uh, I saw a piece by Mark Zuckerberg, CEO of Facebook. He said, he said like Zoom and, and these video tools are good. But they also can create a lot of stress in people if you're on them all the time because you can't see the human little pieces. Um, he said the next wave of video is going to be much more like you're almost in the room where you'll be able to, to look at the human experience a little bit more. And um, it's more of a culture building experience, more emotional, more relationship building. I would get very com- – like, so you're doing the right thing, Jason. I would get very comfortable with using video with clients and I would reach out to them. Because the, the, the alternative is, is really you're just going to spiral down if you don't spend the time now, right now, to talk mm-hmm. and reach out to every single one of your customers. You've got to do it. You can't just sit there and they're not going to walk in the door anymore. We know that. They're not. They're not. And, and, and I like that. I haven't wanted them to walk in the door for a long time. Yeah. So now I have a legitimate reason. I was just telling Travis, my business partner. I'm not lying. You see this door behind me. I can't tell you the last mm-hmm. time someone walked by in that door. And that's what you and I were talking about at the beginning. I've eliminated a lot of my staff, bring them into VAs. I mean, you're mm-hmm. seeing, you can't see the other one over there, but there's four empty desks sitting behind me, all with two to three monitors at them. Beautiful yeah. desks. And they're empty, yeah. you know, and and, and and I'll be honest with you, I'll probably get rid of all of them, including this location in two to three years. But right now that just seems so crazy. But where does the craziness come in the, you know, three to 5% you're, you're spending on rent per, per revenue? Yeah. Well, bring in some programmers, bring in some people that can. That can That's boring. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> bring in joking. some people who can start maybe a little incubator for you, a new, a new kind of insure tech for you. Like. Think you know, use the space um, for that. I think you, I, that looks like cool space, but a lot of a lot of agents have moved actually out of the retail setting to more mm-hmm. office buildings for that very reason. No signage. We want yeah. to reach out to people. We don't want them walking in the door. I know it's I, it's sad, kind of in a way. You think about the old brick storefronts, and 
the downtowns, the main streets, and that's where life happened. But it's the world has changed. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of agents have, have are pivoting, as painful as it is. Um, it is. They are. But, but some are, and some are really, really energized about it, like you, you seem to be. Um, yeah. But uh, we're, we're seeing a shift. And I, I'm really excited about the agents in the future, the independent agent model, which is you see big companies. I'm sure you've had guests on like Nationwide to making that shift to um, to independent agent only. And I, I think that's it's a better model for the consumer. It is. It is a better model for the consumer. It, it truly is. Peter, I appreciate your time, man. Um, is there anything you want to say closing up? I mean, where can people find out you? I know it's rtrek.com, but let's be honest. You have one of the hardest last names to spell in the world. So know, tell them about you and where they can find you. Well, I'm always happy. You can shoot me a text, 703-868-0144. Uh, my email is peter at aartrijk.com. That's also the website. I'm always happy to talk to anybody about anything connected with insurance and brand. And uh, thanks for having me on the show, Jason. And what nationality or what, uh, where do you, what is our track? Our track is, is a town in Bel- Northwestern Belgium. And, uh, but we're right. all Dutch. We were, we were driven out of our track by the Spanish inquisition back in whatever it was, middle ages. And, um, and so the, the town's still there. Our track, I've been there. It's so, yeah. it's so awesome to go back and try to claim your land with a business card, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, that is cool, dude. I remember you telling me that a long time ago, so I always, I always found that cool. Yeah. Um, I, I forgot it was Dutch, though. I thought it was something else, but yeah. eh, you know, I don't. <laughs> Anyways, um, Peter, I greatly appreciate your time. Thank you very much for spending it with us. I, I will take your invitation to come on to a podcast, but I'm glad that my loyal listeners got to know you. Thanks, I'm going to bring Rick on. They do know Chris Amrine, and they love him. And yeah. so, uh, I think Rick was on back like in 2013, 2014. Half of my my loyal listeners probably weren't even in the industry. Get him on there. He's great. Dude, love he it. He is great. And him and his wife traveling mm. around everywhere. Good it makes people. me so damn jealous. <laughs> so anyways, but that's what I work for. Peter, I appreciate your time. I really, truly do. All you loyal listeners, you know that I do it because I do it for you. I really, really do appreciate you listening. Um, I get the feedback. I hear people telling me that we're making a difference and we're doing things out there. I don't ever ask for any cash. I don't even ask you to write any reviews. But what I do ask is that if you get off of this, send this to somebody. This could be good for somebody. Maybe somebody's thinking about doing marketing and they've got a bunch of scammers on them and they can listen to Peter and find out that he's good, he's true. And whether you do business with Peter or not, that doesn't matter right now. But what does matter is you can listen to his voice and know that it's a true steady voice of reason. Um, so once again, I do appreciate Peter, before I do leave real quick though, leaders are readers and leader readers are leaders. And I know that you're a leader, so you must be a reader. What are you reading right now? I'm reading uh win without pitching manifesto by Blair ends. Got it right on my desk here. Say it again. Uh, win without pitching by Blair ends. Um, it's a short read about how to sell yourself without talking about money and doing RFPs. <laughs> Um, that's, that's a really solid book. Uh, I'm in a book club called mold men's order for literary dominance. And, uh, wow. that's cool. the moldy men are reading a book called the river right now, which is a novel about fly fishing up in Canada and a forest fire ensues. And I like novels. I love historical fiction. I love business books. Um, start with why is one of my favorites. I read that like once a year by Simon mm-hmm. Sinek. Mm-hmm. And I, that's why I wrote a book. I'm like, God, I love, I love these, I love words. I mean, I'm an English major. So, um, I read all kinds of stuff. I read a lot of insurance journals too, a lot of insurance publications. Peter, your time's appreciated. Thank you, sir.
This has been Jason Cass with Agents Influence Podcast. Tell me your thoughts and tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Agents Influence Podcast. I'm Cass. We are out.